game day Sooner fans and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products including Kratom, CBD or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you need and they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals 405-458-9699. Plus we're saving you 15% when you order online. Go to abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show at checkout to save 15% off your online order. Once again, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, spring football. Uh, Mike Steely and I going to get you ready for this matchup uh, of the Oklahoma offense and the Oklahoma defense and the unique scoring system this year. Uh, I do want to let you guys know real quick, on Thursday night, the NFL draft, Aaron Davis and I are going to be broadcasting live from Chalk and Chisholm Creek. So uh, this is going to be a great time. We're going to start at 6.30. We'll be there throughout the entire first round, covering all 32 picks, giving our reaction and analysis to every pick. Plus, there's going to be $3 Bud Lights the entire night. We have free draft swag uh, when you come in, so grab some draft swag and draw a prospect name out of the hopper. And if you get the first pick, we're giving away an autographed Baker Mayfield canvas print. So uh, we have some other prizes, a Bob Stoop signed football. Depending on what player you draft and where they get drafted will determine your prize. But the number one pick, which is going to be Trevor Lawrence, will get the Baker Mayfield signed canvas print, which is super cool. So I'm really excited about this event, and I hope to see you guys there chalk in Chisholm Creek. All right, here is Mike Steely. You can find his uh, stream every day, twitch.tv forward slash msteelman, and listen to him every morning on the Tulsa Sports Animal. Happy game day, everyone. It feels great to say that. Along with Mike Steely, I am Colby Daniels. Spring football has arrived after a 2020 hiatus. Mike Steely, we have a spring game today. Man, I am excited. I am ready to go. Spring football is here. I just lied. <laughs> um, spring football is spring football, but Hey, you'll have a chance to see some of the new guys, some of the early enrollees. So yeah, I get it. You know, we've, we've been starving for some football. We're going to have, you know, some fans in the stands, which would be a good thing. So it kind of feels like, like we're on the road back with this, you know, maybe to getting back to some kind of normalcy. Right. I, I always view spring football as like, this is the way I think about it. When the season ends and you think about the gap between the end of the season to the beginning of the next season, I look at it as this mountain that's in the middle and you're creeping up the mountain and basically the mountain top is the spring game. And then the rest is like you're on the downhill slide after the spring game. So it's kind of, although it's not exactly the middle point, it's kind of that like we're close. So it's yeah. the celebration. Let's remind everybody of all the storylines and the expectations and uh, just everything that they have going on into next season to kind of set the tone for the buildup over the next few months to what I think is is probably a greater expectation season than we've had in a long time. And And look, I know that the Baker Mayfield teams were special offensively and and a lot of people felt like not only was Oklahoma clearly the best team in the Big 12 but a team that could compete with anybody because they could score a lot of points same thing for the Kyler Murray teams but I don't know that anybody really had the reasonable expectation that they were going to win a semifinal game or even compete in a national championship game you start to look at the complete picture with this group that comes back from 2020 this group that showed so much improvement defensively that still has a lot of firepower offensively and the expectations are through the roof 
Yeah, and they should be, man. I, I really think, Colby, this is at least college football playoff or bust. If this team doesn't get to the college football playoff, it's A, a major disappointment, or B, they had a rash of injuries or something unusual uh, because they're loaded, man. They really are. And I'm not saying they're good enough to beat Alabama or who knows what Clemson or Ohio State are going to do with new quarterback situations there. But at the same time, I mean, Oklahoma is a complete football team. And you're right. I mean, it was all about the offense and the gunslinging quarterbacks. And then the defense would come out and it was like, oh, no, you know. And now, I, I mean, some of the opponents have got to be feeling that way. Here comes the Oklahoma defense. Oh, no, because they're really good. And you talk about guys who can play in the NFL with Nick Benito and uh, Perry on Winfrey and uh, obviously Isaiah Thomas. And that's just getting started. We don't even know about some of the young kids yet, but we'll start finding out a lot more about them, but, and they have depth. They have a ton of depth on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, with that being said, uh, this is the most complete Oklahoma football team we've seen in a long time. And uh, it, you know, I wouldn't have any hesitation if somebody said, you know, I think Oklahoma's going to win the national championship. I haven't decided if I'm going to say that yet, but I would say, you know what? That's a pretty good pick. I feel like that's probably a like slightly lofty for me. I, I'm not ready to to quite go to that degree, and I certainly wouldn't put the expectation of national championship on this team. But if they're not one of the teams that we're talking about down the stretch of this season as a team that could possibly win it, then I, I think it's been a failure. That's how good I think they are. Uh, that's how far I think they've come. Alex Grinch has done a terrific job. Uh, look, the offense had its ups and downs a year ago. There were inconsistencies, and, and there were a lot of, I think, different areas that maybe you could blame for that. But you've got a quarterback coming back, and when you start to look at the the, the grand picture and the, the top teams in college football, Ohio State loses Justin Fields to the draft. Clemson loses Trevor Lawrence to the draft. Alabama loses Mac Jones to the draft. There's a good chance that next Thursday night, all three of those guys were taken in the top 10 of the NFL yep. draft. And if you want to right. fast forward a year, Oklahoma might have a guy that's in the top 10 of the draft for, for 2022. But when you talk about the teams that return the most talent in college football, I just named three of them. They're all looking for a new signal caller. All of those teams are going to have a very talented quarterback take over. But as we saw last year with Spencer Rattler, there are usually some growing pains with a, with a guy that's making starts for the first time in his college career. Oklahoma already went through that, and I'm, I'm expecting a monster season from Spencer Rattler. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I just pinpoint national championship as my expectation, but they are every bit as capable of winning one as the teams I just mentioned. And like I said, when we start every Tuesday night breaking down those college football playoff rankings. If Oklahoma's not in that conversation, if we're listening to to those guys, you know, say there's a big gap between the other teams and OU, then something went drastically wrong this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think the, uh, you know, the door is cracked open more than it has been in a long time for this Oklahoma team to win the whole thing. And I think that door has always been pretty wide open for Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, to get to the playoff. But I, I think even... Uh, a lot of realistic Sooner fans and maybe even some Sooner fans that aren't that realistic kind of thought, you know what, this, this is gonna have to, we're going to have to win a shootout because the defense is going to give up some points. But the defense was winning some games down the stretch for Oklahoma last year. Defense won that Baylor game. Remember the offense, I think, produced 27 points, I believe it was. Dave Aranda kind of had a good game plan for Baylor, but the defense uh, kind of saved the day. So, uh, which is pretty amazing when you think about what happened early in the season because – 
when Oklahoma gave up those two big leads against Kansas State and then uh, in the Iowa State game, you started seeing some fire Grinch hashtags, you know, and think about where they were. Yeah. I thought they played really well for the most part against Texas, but then they went into that prevent and Sam Ellinger came back to life. And Texas, of course, had a great chance to win that football game. And it's really interesting to think about where the OU season could have gone had they lost that game to Texas because Spencer Rattler got pulled. But I, I do think that was kind of the first step where the defense started to come together a little bit. Because, yeah. like I said, early in the year, last season, people were not happy with Alex Grinch at all. And now Alex Grinch is in a situation where if they have another great year uh, defensively, and they had a great second half, a really good second half, maybe great's too much, but he'll be in line to get uh, some some better jobs. And he was up for a few last year. Yeah, look, there's a good chance that this time next year we're talking about a new defensive coordinator, perhaps, and and maybe we're talking about new schemes and and all that. But Alex Grinch obviously has turned heads with what he's done in in just a couple short seasons at Oklahoma, and and it all kind of culminates with the group that comes back. He's got a a combination of really young players that are extremely talented and guys that really established themselves a year ago. Um, I, I I would say this: I am curious about the departure of Ronnie Perkins. Because, you know, we saw them, as you mentioned, the Texas game felt like a turning point for the defense, and we really started to see them improve week to week from the Texas game on. But it really felt like when Ronnie Perkins got back into the lineup, that was the missing piece that really brought it all together, the rug in the room, if you will, uh, from uh, from the Big Lebowski, just tied the room together. <laughs> but, I mean, they went from a good defense, I thought, to a great defense when Ronnie Perkins got back on the football field. And there wasn't a point in the second half of the year when Ronnie Perkins was out there where I, I felt like the defense wasn't playing very good. So, um, again, I, I love the fact that, especially on that defensive line, you have Isaiah Thomas back and Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito and all those guys are immensely talented. And look, I think they're all going to be better this year than they were a year ago. But Ronnie Perkins meant a whole lot to that group. And, and I don't know how much of that was just the, the leadership and, you know, being the guy that had been around, being the guy that had made splash plays in the past, how much of that was just pure ability. But there's no denying his presence had a massive impact for the, the team goal that they had defensively. Yeah, I think he brought uh, he brought the nasty man. There's no doubt. And uh, you remember the Oklahoma State quarterbacks were running for their lives in that game, uh, you know, against Oklahoma. And a lot of that was due to Ronnie Perkins. And you could tell he was ready to play football. He'd miss football, and he was raring to go. And that's exactly what he did. He came out. And he was he was a monster. He played great. So yeah, yeah. Who could be that guy? You never know. I think Winfrey is headed to the NFL. I think Isaiah Thomas again is headed to the NFL. Uh, and Nick Benito as well. But Ronnie Perkins probably going to be a second-round pick uh, coming up on Friday because the first round's on Thursday. But, yeah, that's that's the question. Is there anybody – I don't know. You don't have to be Ronnie Perkins, but you don't want to see a major drop-off, you know, with that right. other spot. And maybe – who knows? Maybe it's a guy like Isaiah Coe from the junior college ranks. I don't think he's going to be Ronnie Perkins, but if he can be really good and productive, if he can have a year that was fairly close to what Perry on Winfrey did – Last year, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah. 
Uh, the interior was obviously way better. Uh, speaking of the NFL draft, you're right. Ronnie Perkins is, I, I would be shocked if he fell below the second round. Uh, but three months ago, before Nick Benito decided to stay, there were conversations that Nick Benito was potentially a late first round pick mm-hmm. uh, to second round pick. So, I mean, th- this could be a completely different conversation today if Nick Benito makes a different choice. Um, you also get a guy that we really liked a couple years ago back, Jalen Redman, who certainly flashed early in his career. Um, and, and maybe he's that guy. Uh, Could be. Stripling is another guy. It's it's crazy to me that for so long we just talked about the complete void of any difference makers along that defensive line. And now, we're, I mean, we're mentioning five, six, seven names. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jalen Redman, I'm, I'm glad you brought up his name because I kind of forgot about him there for a second. Jalen Redman coming back, you know, missed last year, uh, set out the season because of you know, obviously with the blood clot situation he'd been involved in, it wouldn't have been smart for him to be, you know, around the football facility and a lot of people with COVID. So you totally get that. But the previous year he played, he led the team in sacks. Now, some of that's due to Ronnie Perkins getting a lot of attention, but I guarantee you that Isaiah Thomas and Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito are going to get a lot of attention too. So Jalen Redman would probably be the first guy to look at, but you're right. Um, for so long, they were just manhandled up front on the defensive line. And, well, they had problems basically pretty much everywhere. everywhere yeah. But, I mean, you had some players here and there with Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Murray. Um, you know, but still, they've got guys that they're not going to be afraid. They're not going to lose much when they bring those second-team guys in. I mean, they're not the, the front-line guys that are going to go to the NFL that we've talked about. But, again, it's not going to be a major drop-off. So I think they finally feel good about the depth they have. Um, you know, linebackers going to be interesting. I, I think they're going to be pretty good there. The secondary, they're getting more athletic all the time, bigger, faster, uh, more physical. So, uh, Alex Grinch has a lot of tools yeah. in the tool shed, man. I don't think it's, you mentioned the secondary. I, this might be the most fascinating part of the defense this year for me. I don't necessarily think it's fair to say addition by subtraction because you're losing Trey Brown had so many big plays and big games. And look, I think just his progression as well. He he developed a lot over the last couple years in Norman. Uh, Trey Norwood was another guy that came up with a ton of big plays last season and a guy that, that also turned things around. Uh, obviously, Buki moves on to uh, a greener pasture for him, if, if you want to call it that. But when you look at the young guys in that secondary, you're right. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like the ceiling for all of those guys is just so much higher than anything that's been there in the past. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure if Jeremiah Cradell is going to be able to go. There's some talk about maybe maybe he won't be ready to go, but he certainly will be in the fall, and they love him. Billy Bowman, the freshman, the true freshman, has been getting rave reviews. Now, a lot of times, when do you ever hear – a coach, though, when he's asked about a guy during the spring, hey, what about so-and-so? What kind of spring he's having? Oh, man, he's, he's been brutal. Yeah, he's he's been terrible. Yeah. But, no, they they love Billy Bowman. Justin Harrington had the knee injury last year. He's big, uh, pretty physical at corner. Uh, took some time off from football, obviously, with the injury last year, but they like him. And, again, I think they've got depth there. They've got Latrell McCutcheon coming in. So uh, they've got, I think, again, a lot of possibilities there. And they're not going to have – uh, as many of those mismatches as we've seen in the past, right. where it's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar posting up Muggsy Bogues down at the goal line, you know, whenever Buki was on somebody. But um, again, I just think they've recruited better. They've recruited a lot better uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And what's good about that, Colby, is for 
for so long, Oklahoma would get a few players on the defensive side of the ball, and Oklahoma's always going to bring in pretty good players. I mean, Buki was a five-star. We know he didn't play like a five-star, but he was. Um, Ronnie Perkins, a lot of the guys we're talking about were Nick Benito was highly recruited, but those were somewhat rare. I mean, you need to bring in three guys like that or four guys like that in a class. Well, how do you do that? You start playing better defense and not be, not be a laughing stock, you know, among power five championship contenders. It was always Oklahoma, man. That offense is awesome, but that defense is horrible. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow could have scored a hundred, I think on that Oklahoma defense and what a disaster that was. But once you start, you know, showing up and making plays and getting your defensive highlights out there again, where it's not all Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or Jalen Hurts or Spencer Rattler, you're going to bring in better players. So I think it's a really good situation on that side of the ball right now. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Billy Bowman looks like. And, and you know, just from an athleticism standpoint, I mean, anybody that's ever watched the guy compete in in – any way, just, you know, it, it, it kind of physically, he's just a different guy than Buki was. So uh, while, you know, I, I think that's an easy comparison to say, yeah, Buki kind of had the same sort of fanfare behind him when he came in and look how that worked out. Uh, there were obviously some physical limitations with Buki where I don't think that's necessarily the case with Billy Bowman. But look, Buki, I thought still, I mean, I, I always gave him credit for being a, a really good instinctual football player. I thought he read plays well, put himself in the position a lot of times, just wasn't physically able to make a lot of plays. Uh, but yeah, I think he's one of the most intriguing parts of, of this 2021 team. Uh, Jaden Davis and DJ Graham and Woody Washington and uh, Bryson Washington, like the name of Sooner defensive backs that uh, I think are just interesting prospects to potentially help this team along the way is is pretty exciting. And, and you know, again, I don't want to say necessarily addition by subtraction, but you do feel like there's just a better caliber athlete there. Yeah, you do, no doubt. And, uh, you know, and you think about the great championship teams, think about how good the defensive backs were. I mean, Ricky Dixon was unbelievable. You think on the Switzer teams way back when, you know, when you had Zach Henderson and all the way back to the early 70s with Randy Hughes. And they always, you know, now some of those Switzer teams did have some issues defending the pass from time to time. But that was usually against Jeff Hostetler, Vinny Testaverde, or John Elway, or a really good quarterback. But, they just haven't been as good as they need to be in the secondary. And I think they're recruiting a better level of athlete. And uh, Billy Bowman could be that guy. I think you're going to see him in a lot of nickel situations. And the other question on Billy Bowman is, you know, is he going to return kicks? My guess would be yes, absolutely. And my guess would be that they might be able to use him on the defensive or the offensive side of the ball. Particularly, uh, it, it certainly looks like Trajan Bridges coming back to OU is maybe a 2 per, two to 5% chance I mean, we've got to let the story and the investigation play out, but that affects your depth. Now, I still think, particularly with the emergence of Mario Williams, who they love this spring also, that they're going to be fine at wide receiver, but your depth, you know, you have a few injuries, all of a sudden your depth, well, we thought we had depth. And maybe, you know, Billy Bowman can do that as well. He's that good of an athlete, that versatile, and they think he has been every bit of what they expected uh, during the spring. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, there's also, and we'll get to the offense in a second, but uh, the the Keyshawn Lawrence kid from, from, or 
I was about to say Kentucky, Tennessee uh, transferring over. Um, are we going to start calling OU uh, Tennessee West at this <laughs> point? Would they get three Tennessee transfers? Yeah, Eric Gray, though, man, he's got a chance to be the number one back. There's another guy that they like. And uh, Key Lawrence, again, uh, been through the SEC wars. We know that Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt was very disappointing. But uh, Oklahoma was in the uh, running to get Key Lawrence. Uh, the first time he was recruited, he ends up obviously going to Tennessee. And then uh, Wanye Morris in the offensive line, there's a, there's a huge impact there. All three of those guys are big impact players for Oklahoma in the fall. How crazy is it that we've we've just spent about 15 straight minutes talking Oklahoma defense? And and I can confidently say, having done years of pregame shows that are three hours long and also doing these pre-spring game shows where we've gone three hours without ever mentioning the defense, just because it's it's a given, like what are you going to say about it? Like you can you can yeah. kind of throw dirt on the on the coffin, but what's the good of it? You know what I mean? So like the fact that not only are we talking about it, but we're leading with it, uh, I think speaks to what we kind of mentioned at the top as far as the the expectations. Yeah, and Sooner fans, man, they think it's about time because it, to me it was always baffling. How can you be so great on one side of the football and be so average or below average? on that side of the football, when you're Oklahoma, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense because those teams that I grew up watching, uh, you know, the 70, the 74, 75 Switzer teams, really great defenses. I mean, you had the Selman brothers, you had Rod Schott, uh, you had, you know, great defensive backs as well. Really good linebackers, Rod Schott being one of those, uh, and Jimbo Elrod at defensive end. And then you think of the 85 team with, uh, led by Brian Bosworth and Ricky Dixon and Tony Casillas. And you had Daryl Reed and Kevin Murphy. And, uh, you know, just had some unbelievable football players. And for the Sooners, it was just uh, the whole thing was just so mysterious as to why. And a lot of that reputation was, I'm sure, in recruiting at the Big 12. If you're a, you're a five-star kid, a lot of those coaches are probably saying, you want, you want to go to the Big 12 and you're a pass rusher? Well, yeah. good luck. You know, they're throwing these flat passes. You're never going to get to the quarterback. You know, you can do that here in the SEC, but and uh, you're going to have to defend not, uh, you know, maybe 20 passes a game, but maybe 35 or 40 passes a game in the Big 12. So you're going to get beat some. Uh, the, the numbers are going to go up. So part of that, I think, was the league's reputation, too, that hurt Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, I thought the Big 12 was a better defensive league last year. Maybe that was the quarterback's. Uh, you know, we're good, maybe not as good as we've seen in the past with some big time quarterbacks, uh, but they may have been younger. Um, Sam Ellinger, Sam Ellinger. But uh, you think about Spencer Rattler, as you talked about early in the season last year, he struggled from time to time. We could all see the NFL throws that he was making, man. That was big time right there. <laughs> That's a yeah. Sunday throw. And then you see, oh, my gosh, he threw in a coverage. Should have known that guy was there. And you don't expect to see that much of that this year. But I do think the defense may be part of that. They were dragged down by the Big 12. Yeah. And and look, I think we've also, over the last few years, and we've watched a lot of, of turnover as far as the head coaches in this league in the last five years, like we're seeing a different philosophy offensively, uh, which, you know, in turn, you're, you're not seeing the same kind of spread offense that, that we saw when the Big 12 was the joke of college football as, as far as defenses and throwing the ball all over the place. Teams are running the ball more. Teams aren't playing as up-tempo as they used to. It's just, it's, the game has come back more to the middle than it was when it was on that extreme, uh, you know, pass-happy spread. Uh, nobody plays defense in this league uh, 
period of time. So, uh, yeah, I think there are a bunch of elements kind of responsible for why the football looks different in the Big 12 today. Um, let, let's hit the offense, though, because you mentioned Spencer Rattler. Uh, you know, we didn't get to see a spring game a year ago. I, I do think that also contributes, in my mind, to uh, part of the, the hype around this year is just because people didn't have it a year ago and they kind of get to experience yeah, it again. No but doubt. but Spencer Rattler, um, you know, a year ago we would have been talking about, you know, what is he going to look like? Now he's he's the solidified guy. He's a star. Uh, but there's another guy behind him that, you know, if we're talking about Spencer Rattler and the tools he shows as far as being a next-level quarterback, there is no question that the guy behind him also has that same sort of skill set. And also, if it works out, the, the physical tools are there for him to be a Sunday quarterback. Yeah, Caleb Williams, the reviews in on him are really good, too. So I think you're going to see a little uh, Caleb Williams versus Spencer Rattler uh, in this game, and that will be fun for Sooner fans to watch. You get to see the uh, present and the future. And, you know, Caleb Williams, so highly recruited. I know they didn't play last year, but uh, you've seen when he did play, you know, the arm strength, the athletic ability, uh, he's mobile. He's, he's a really what you look for in a modern day quarterback, uh, that could give defenses big headaches and they've liked what they've seen so far. Everybody's been talking about, uh, you know, what they've seen out of him is nothing but good so far. And, uh, you know, think about this with Spencer Rattler. Um, this is his first spring practice because he came in late. He wasn't yeah. an early enrollee. We didn't have spring practice last year because of the pandemic. So maybe that helps him a little bit. So he was kind of like, you know, a little bit of baptism by fire. Now who they play like Missouri state in the first game or whatever, but the Kansas state game, we saw, you know, what happened when the pressure was on there a little bit. And he, and I think Oklahoma's defense kind of put him in that situation too, but yeah, they should be in a great situation at quarterback. If the unthinkable happens and Rattler gets hurt, uh, you know, Williams obviously doesn't have the college experience yet, but there's no doubt he has the talent and Caleb Williams being at Oklahoma is the reason why Tanner Mordecai, is not at Oklahoma anymore. Why Chandler Morris isn't at Oklahoma anymore? You know, they they saw the writing on the wall, and uh, as long as Lincoln Riley's there, you know that Oklahoma is going to be bringing in a great quarterback. It seems like uh, whenever they need to find a great quarterback, he's usually there, right? Yeah, and and he's the next in line as well. So your backup quarterback, you know, in the past, I think there have been these situations where you have a starting quarterback. And then the backup kind of just seems to be a placeholder for the young guy that then we all know is is eventually going to be the next starting quarterback. We're in a unique situation because both of the Tanners are gone. Uh, Chandler Morris is is now south of here. And, and so, I mean, Caleb Williams, if we have another Texas game situation like we had last year, I mean, the next BBN, guy in line yeah. is Caleb Williams. Yeah, and that's probably a really good situation for OU. And they've talked about not just his – his arm and his ability, but he seems to, everybody seems to gravitate towards him. That's one thing with Spencer Rattler. And again, I, we didn't get to cover the team as much, obviously, as, as you normally would. It was through Zoom meetings and Zoom press conferences and stuff like that. But maybe they had to push him a little bit more in the leadership direction, um, is, is what I heard. And not that the players didn't like him or anything, but maybe they need to say, man, you got to get on these guys or you got to, 
you're the man, you know, yeah. you, you need to be more vocal or whatever. Apparently that hasn't been the issue with Caleb uh, Williams so far. Yeah. There's, there's something about playing that position. And I think, I think what it boils down to is being that guy, you have to hold everybody else accountable. You, you are, mm-hmm. you know, I know that I, I think Spencer Rattler, he gives me the vibes that he is a vocal guy. I, I don't think he would have a problem speaking up, but it's, it's the accountability part of being vocal. Uh, you can be vocal and, and, you know, prop everybody up all the time, but are you holding people accountable when you have to? Uh, that's that's what I think is is part of, you know, the, a lot of the stuff when we talk about going to the next level. And, and, you know, when you hear, like, all the NFL people talk about Mac Jones, it's those sort of intangibles that people like and why they feel so good about Mac Jones uh, when, when you can clearly see that all the physical tools maybe don't match the other quarterbacks. I, I think again, with Spencer Rattler, I, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's... All the physical tools are there. He does seem like a vocal guy, but you also have to be the guy that isn't just going to be everybody's best friend, that, that is going to be, hey, you got to be accountable for making these mistakes, get it together. Uh, somebody has to be that role, and I, it's, I think it's got to be the quarterback most of the time. Yeah, and I, I think Baker Mayfield, we all think about him running down the field and celebrating or grabbing a certain area in Lawrence, Kansas, and what Baker Mayfield was all about, but he would hold those guys accountable. I don't think there's any doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, uh, And, you know, that's part of the reason why I think even in Cleveland, when he struggled a little bit and came back, those guys still believed in him and he would hold them accountable uh, to a ex- certain extent as much as he could even as a rookie. And that's why we're seeing Baker Mayfield, you know, the Browns exercising their option on him for to make $18.8 million in 2022 yeah. because they believe in him. So, yeah, I mean, arm strength, talent's one thing. Uh, but quarterback, you know, the, the leaders on the offense to me are the quarterback and the center and center is going to be an interesting position because the center commands the line, obviously, and the quarterback commands everything. So, uh, you've got to have a little take charge attitude out there, belief in yourself, but also, and prop up your teammates. But at times you got to say, man, what route were you running there? Here's where you're supposed to be, you know? And I look, I don't think we know for sure, but I heard there was a little bit of that where they wanted to push Spencer Rattler to be more that guy yeah. last year. And and look, you know, Kyler Murray, that was something that people questioned about Kyler Murray because he wasn't a vocal guy. And yeah. I, I think it was um, Cody Ford that I remember being asked that question at one point. And he was like, look, the guy may not speak a lot, but he speaks when he has to and it carries a lot of weight. Uh, when it needs to. So I, I think that that kind of got put to bed, but there was this idea because he was such a quiet guy that, mm-hmm. that maybe he wasn't holding people accountable and that got completely shut down. So I think those are two different things in terms of being vocal and holding people accountable. I think you can be vocal without doing the other and vice versa. So yeah, that's, that'll be an interesting part of, of Spencer Rattler's development. But I think when you look at college football and look, Oklahoma's won two Heisman trophies and has another Heisman trophy finalist in, in the last three seasons. Spencer Rattler, in my opinion, going into this year, along with Sam Howell, probably the two best quarterbacks in the country entering the first week of the season. So there are going to be massive expectations from him, not just in regards to the numbers that he puts up and winning football games, but in terms of being the face of a, a program that potentially can win a national championship and being the face of, of potentially college football when you are in a Heisman race. Yeah, very much uh, in line to be the Sooners' next Heisman Trophy winner. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, if he's not New York City, something's gone wrong. It's kind of like if this OU team, in my opinion, yeah. if they don't go to the playoffs, something's gone wrong. But, uh, yeah, they're different styles of leadership. Baker, uh, more heavy metal, and Kyler Murray was more smooth jazz or hip-hop. But, uh, and he, you know, he, he was just 
you saw Kyler's personality. He was smooth, man. I got this. And Baker was more in your face. Uh, Jalen Hurts was, you know, a player's coach almost uh, with his background. And he almost, he sounded like a coach at his press conference every week. Yeah. It was, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's another Jalen Hurts press conference. Um, but yeah, Spencer Rattler, we'll see. And, and keep in mind last year, you know, he wasn't, uh, Baker. We saw him struggle a little bit early on in his first year. And they kind of took off after the Tennessee, uh, overtime victory they had in uh, Knoxville. <clears throat> uh, and then Kyler Murray had already played and, you know, we knew that he was a yeah. tremendous talent. Spencer again, didn't go through a spring, had one warm up game before he's right into big 12 play. Uh, against Missouri State, which was a nobody. But still, um, I, I would expect to see a lot more progress with him in that department this year. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I think we're going to see a completely different guy, to be honest with you. I mean, he was, he, I mean, it, just imagine like putting a rock in a slingshot and, and shooting it into a new space. And it's like coming in a million miles an hour for the first, you know, that's that was Spencer Rattler into college mm -hmm. football a year ago. And obviously, I mean, to look at where he was in those first few games to the way that he finished the season and look, we documented this all year long, too. There were so many drop footballs last year that weren't even oh, Spencer yeah. Rattler's fault. Um, I mean, he, he the numbers, just, just on paper, could have been significantly better if guys held on to the football. But I, I think when you look at the progression from game one to game two, and even through that Texas game to what we were watching in those last few games, it was night and day. Now you add having all that experience for a season, being able to sit back and digest it, and, you know, get the chemistry with the rest of your teammates over the course of a spring into another football season. Um, I, I think we're going to see this guy who's already pretty confident be supremely confident by the time the season rolls around. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. I expect him to have a big year. And yeah, what was it? Probably seven drop balls last year that could have been touchdowns. That might be a little that, bit conservative. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm interested to see how this... Speaking of the offense, um, Seth McGowan, Trajan Bridges affects the locker room at all. It, you know, it's hanging over the program right now. There's no resolution yet. They're taking their right. time with the investigation. Uh, it doesn't look like, unless there's something that we don't know, and this story was, or the 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 alleged victim in this in this case, um, you know, doesn't decides, you know, sometimes what happens, man, is oh, you football player here, you know, everybody's going to know they're not going to be happy with me, yeah. uh, which, you know, sometimes that happens. Um, you never know how it's going to play out, but bridges, especially what is what, if he did this, these allegations, just absolutely moronic when, you know, he missed so much of last year, came back late in the year. And I think he's a good player. Yeah a really good player with an NFL future. And Seth McGowan, you know, he could be an NFL roster guy down the road. If they've thrown away their future on something as dumb as this, I, I just wonder, number one, um, you know, Lincoln Riley, I'm sure what will happen after he talks about the spring game afterwards, he'll be asked about it. Um, and he'll say, well, we can't comment on an ongoing investigation. Right. But I, I wonder how much this – you know, are we brushing this aside as it was two kids who maybe did something really stupid, so stupid, in fact, that if, if the allegations are true, they might, you know, we're throwing the felony word out there, right. uh, which is really sad. But do you think that's any effect on the locker room? I mean, it's hard to know. But what do you think? Yeah, it's it, it's tough because you know again with especially with last season being as as chaotic as it was, uh, you don't really necessarily feel like you have a sense of 
just the overall camaraderie and, and, you know, how these guys are spending their time and what sort of um, relationships a locker room has in general when, you know, everybody kind of had to social distance. Yeah, like, absolutely. I don't know. It's just kind of a, it's a very odd dynamic to, to try and guess as to what a locker room would be like uh, right now. But I mean, the sense I get is that Trajan Bridges was very well liked. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I know that um, we're on the same side of things as far as maybe the way that rules should be and what happened a year ago. Um, I, I didn't think that uh, I was looking at Trajan Bridges coming into this season as as some bad guy because of what happened. Uh, yeah, but right. the, the the fact of the matter is he did get in trouble. And when you look at the record, there is that strike there. You add something of this magnitude. To me, it seems like it would be very hard uh, to to justify you know, a, a second time, especially, like I said, with the magnitude of this second, quote-unquote, break of the rules or, or however you want to phrase it, but felony, mm -hmm. if you want to call it, you know. So the Bridges thing is interesting. Uh, you know, Seth McGowan may be a different situation since it's a, a first-time offense. But, but again, I think when you're talking about a felony, it just kind of feels like felonies are one of those things that if that's the word that's being tossed around, it feels like it's hard to to give some sort of justification. Now, look, we've recently uh, seen somebody commit a felony and and stick around, and maybe it's a, a year suspension. I, I don't know how they're going to handle this. And and has Lincoln Riley been in this situation with it, with anything of this magnitude that didn't involve the NCAA? I, I, I don't think um, you know of this magnitude since he's been a head coach. Yeah. And I think the Mixon situation took something out of Bob Stoops. Um, I, you know, I don't know what role that played in him stepping away, but I still remember that press conference when Mixon finally was allowed to speak and Bob Stoops is standing over there to the side and he looks like, it's just like, Oh my gosh, finally, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was very controversial. You know, people always would say, Hey, we suspended him for a year. Okay. You know, not going to ruin the kid's life or whatever. But at the same time, I just thought it was a horrible look for Oklahoma you don't have to give up on the kid, but you don't have to rehab the kid either at OU, you know, in that situation, Joe Mixon yeah. could have gone to UCLA or somewhere else. I mean, he was a five-star running back. That that's the one decision during the Stoops era. I didn't agree with. Now, look, it's Joe Mixon's turned out to be a heck of a back. We knew the talent was never in question. It was the decision-making and, uh, you know, temper, obviously, uh, he's been a really good player and a bad Cincinnati team, but a really, really good player. And he really hasn't run a foul. You know, there hasn't been really anything that there was that little bitty minor incident because it was Joe Mixon though. It blew up because, right. you know, he got mad at somebody who was trying to give him a parking ticket or whatever. But other than that, it looks like it's turned out pretty good. So I don't know. I just see, like I said, we don't know the complete story. We know what we've seen on the transcript of the nine one one call and from the police scanner, and that doesn't look good. Yeah. doesn't mean that's the whole picture. But if Bridges, to me, Bridges even putting himself in this kind of situation, yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough. Uh, that, that's, that's bad. That's really not smart. And uh, we had just played a soundbite on the radio show like the day before of him talking about how happy he was to be back out there and can't wait to get out here and you know have a full season and that kind of stuff. And then you hear that, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what were they – yeah. What were they thinking? So we'll see. I mean, we'll see look how at it plays out. The other guys that were attached to that deal are about to play in the NFL, right? And I think Trajan Bridges also has that sort of athletic ability. Now, yeah. whether that ends up getting put together on the football field and turning into an NFL future is a different story. But I, I mean, athletically, he is. Remember when he came in as a freshman, they were they were like, he's so good that 
we're going to see if we can find ways to get him on the field defensively. And and he got mm-hmm. some opportunities on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. And this is a guy that's a five-star receiver. So obviously the athleticism is there for him to have whatever future he desires. Uh, and yeah, I, I think uh, to put yourself in that situation is bad. And to, to watch the guys that you also came out of that with now going to the NFL um, to me, that, that would be, that would be really tough. So yeah, absolutely. I don't think if, if this wasn't Trajan Bridges and a player of this magnitude, I don't even think this would be a conversation. I, I think it would probably already be a done deal and they probably would have said something and everybody moves on. Uh, but I mean, you are talking about a guy that is probably as athletically gifted as anybody in college football. So, um, that's, you know, it's, it's probably more of a, all right, we're going to wait and see how this thing plays out and maybe what the temperature of, uh, you know, the fan base is and, yeah. and the, the media and how people perceive this when the dust kind of settles before we make a ruling. But I, I would say that just, and this, this sounds, you know, if we're just judging this from a football perspective and taking the, you know, the right and wrong side out of it and just looking at this as how does this impact Oklahoma's football team? I would just simply say, if you could afford to lose star caliber players, which those two guys are at any two positions, I think wide receiver and running back are the two positions you'd probably choose. I mean, they, they just have so many playmakers. So while you are talking about guys that I think do have next level type ability at the same time, those are positions where, I mean, you talked about Eric Gray from Tennessee at the running back position. Kennedy Brooks is back in the fold this year. Uh, we liked what we saw out of Marcus Major a year ago. Um, you know, Mikey Henderson is, is also a guy that I think everybody yeah. wants to see get more yep. snaps. And then the receivers, I mean, that list is like 10 deep. And then they add another one from Arkansas, the uh, the Mike Woods kid uh, who just transfers in from Arkansas. Yeah, so portal. Yeah, he was Arkansas's second yeah. leading receiver uh, last year. So, yeah, and that... Uh, that will solidify their depth. That's that's a big get for Oklahoma again, particularly helping their depth. But yeah, it's for Bridges again. It's uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you, you never know. Maybe the story changes. Who knows? But yeah. if all the allegations are true, then you're seeing a young man throwing away a future that could cost him some time. Behind you know, you never know yeah. uh, with McGowan too, and that's that's a sad deal because. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about, yeah, yeah. I know he was recruited as a five-star. We've seen five-star ability from him. And as you were talking about, he, he set out so much of last year and he was the one that it really played out the longest for when you're talking about Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson came back before he did. So it looked like he was itching to get back on the field. He did, you know, briefly at the end of the season, but was was looking forward to having a full uh, full season this year and putting up some numbers. Well, and didn't Lincoln Riley say something along the lines of his situation was a little bit more complex than Ramondre? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I don't know what that yeah. means, but if if there's some sort of added layer there already, maybe you know that that just worsens the situation than than you know what we already know. Um, I, I would also add this: this this might just be me being a conspiracy theorist, but. Mike Woods wore number eight at Arkansas, and I don't know if you saw the photoshops uh, today when when he uh, declares for Oklahoma, but it's him wearing o- an Oklahoma uniform with the number eight, which just so happens to be the same number mm. that Trajan Bridges wore. Wow. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but um, you know, you feel if 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 that's the situation that this all this these allegations are true and they really were involved in an armed robbery, you know, I. I, I can see his dad, Jack Bridges, has had all these tweets about excited, he, you know, to come back and 
yeah. and all this. Obviously proud of his kid. And he, your heart breaks for the parents, too, in this situation, if this Absolutely. is true. Because, uh, you know, we've all done dumb things when we we're younger. I've done dumb things in the last couple of weeks at 57 years <laughs> aim, old. But I did, a lot, that, yeah. I, I did a lot of stupid things, though, back in my 20s in the college years. But nothing ever. I mean, it was something stupid. Right. You know, drank too much at a party or... You know, I, I don't know, maybe copied off a test every now and then. But, yeah. ne you know, this is stuff that we're talking about where you could lose your freedom for a while. Yeah, this so, isn't. Well, yeah, this isn't, uh, you know, being 19 years old and, and having a few beers and getting caught or, you know, maybe you uh, you swiped a, a Dr. Pepper from 7-Eleven. I mean, you know, I think mm -hmm. when you add the the armed robbery part of this makes it extremely serious. Oh, yeah. So, it's yeah. uh it yeah it's it's much more complex than a simple rule break, uh, but like I said I you know as far as those positions, um, there are so many playmakers that that if those guys aren't a factor this year, um, they will be missed without a doubt. But it's it's not something that I don't think Oklahoma can overcome. Uh, Eric Gray to me, I mean he was a guy that I thought going into last year for Tennessee was on my watch list of guys that I thought could really take a big step in college football. And look, he was splitting snaps uh, at Tennessee. So I don't think that'll be an issue splitting snaps with Kennedy Brooks, but his skill set, I think is a perfect fit, not only to be the, the compliment to Kennedy Brooks, but you add what his skill set is into Lincoln Riley's offense. And I think you're talking about a, a big time dynamic playmaker that is going to, I think make the, the same sort of plays that we saw from Seth McGowan a year ago. Four-star recruits, uh, you know, and uh, Kennedy Brooks again, uh, you know, I've always thought he's been underrated, you know, yards for carry, and he turns, you know, short, what looks look to be short gains into longer gains. But they've loved everything they've seen, apparently, out of Eric Gray. And DeMarco Murray was talking about, man, this kid is a pro, shows up every day, treats it like a pro. And uh, I think, you know, he could be the one, number one back. I think he and Kennedy Brooks might just be interchangeable on this deal. And then, as you said, uh, you think about what they have. They still have Marcus Major there. Uh, you still have a situation where Mikey Henderson can play, too, because every time Mikey Henderson touches the ball, good things tend to happen. Right. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, if they can stay, you know, you're going to get some bumps and bruises during the season. But I think that can end up being a big-time one-two punch uh, you know, maybe as good as any in college football, perhaps, if yeah. Gray is as good as they say he is so far. Absolutely. I, I'm sure Alabama has two NFL guys oh, at the running back always, position. Of course. Uh, that are, you know, like Derrick Henry and Najee Harris back-to-back. -back. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I love the skill set of both of those guys. I think they complement each other. And I think uh, Lincoln Riley's going to find really creative ways to make Eric Gray a, a star uh, for Oklahoma. And then the pass catchers, like – I don't even need to speak on the guys they have because this is a group that we've all been excited about for three years. But I, I would say it, it just feels like you want to see all these guys kind of take that next step. Like we know the talent level is there. All of these guys, it feels like in that receiving core. And, and I would even add um, Stogner to this list, you know, as far as just being pass catchers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All of these guys have unbelievable talent, but it feels like we're, we're ready for all those guys to kind of see their full potential and grow into the role that, that, you know, we all know is there for each one of them. I mean, I, I think any one of these guys could be a monster this season. Yeah. And, and could that guy, you know, be uh, Marvin Mims, who was their best receiver a year ago, but he wasn't perfect. He had some drop passes as well, drop touchdowns and, uh, but he was great. 
and he's got great speed. You're hearing that Mario Williams, the freshman out of Florida, the five-star kid, uh, maybe is the fastest guy there. So maybe he could be the next uh, sooner breakout guy in terms of just beating people down the field. Um, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of talent there. I do think Stogner, who came back again late last year, and we learned a lot about his health situation, which was very right. uh, strange. It wasn't all that we thought it was. It was worse than we thought it was. But he's he's ready to go, healthy. I think he's a big-time player. Those H-backs are good. Um, but I think they're a wide receiver talent. Theo East Jr., I think, again, you think about it, he's made a bunch of big plays, and again, he's dropped some passes. Yeah. But um, – I think they're going to be fine there. I, I don't know who the next CD Lamb's going to be, and maybe there won't be a next CD Lamb. But and then they have more receivers coming in yeah. the next class. I mean, uh, you can make a pretty good argument. I know Bama, as uh, when you think about what they had last year, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, who got hurt, who you know is going to be a early pick as well. Uh, they've had some great receivers, but Oklahoma, you know, they've had them for a while now too. Quarterbacks. Yeah. Wide receivers. When I imagine Lincoln Riley like walking into like a, a camp full of quarterbacks or receivers, it's kind of the same way I imagine you walking into the Masters gift shop. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'll take that and that and that and that and that. And just uh, you you have your pick and you put whatever you want in the basket and there's zero resistance. Yeah. Jaden Hazelwood <laughs> is the other name, though. Jaden Hazelwood is the other name, Colby. That's yeah. a good way to put it because I think – yeah, I can't always get everything I want because, you know, I'm not independently wealthy, but Lincoln Riley seems to be able to do that with wide receivers. Hazelwood was, of those five stars, the number one kid in the country. Yeah. And uh, everybody wanted him, obviously. And, you know, injuries last year, but maybe this is the year that Jaden Hazelwood breaks out. He, he looks like he has a great skill set yeah. again, all the tools uh, that you, that you want to have. Didn't he have that insane catch in the Florida game? Yes. Yeah, he did. He had a great catch, but you think about, there've been some other, uh, five stars at wide receiver. Uh, Trey Matwire was one, right? That yeah. didn't work out very well. Uh, who's the other five. I'm, I'm trying to think there was another, five. Oh, uh, Josh Jarbeau. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the one I was, I was trying to think of just now. Yeah. Joshua Jarbeau who came up with the rap video and this in the Oklahoma said, all right, goodbye. See you. <laughs> and, uh, that was a weird deal, but, um, they've got a lot of depth there and they've got the, the gritty kids who can make the catch too. Like Drake Stoops. Yeah. Drake Stoops has become more of a playmaker than I ever, ever thought he would at OU. And look, I wasn't trying to downgrade the kid, the Stoops family. Those guys are tough, man. They are. Uh, but he's a player. I mean, he was yeah. the guy last year in the Texas game who made uh, big plays again. So they've got they've got a lot of depth there. Yeah. I mean, a ton of depth. And Mario Williams is a guy to keep your eye on in this game because he's been getting rave reviews too. Like, oh my gosh, this kid's gonna make a lot of plays for us. So we'll see. Yeah, I I, I have to just throw this name out before I I move on because. Jeremiah Hall is probably one of my favorite players on this roster. Mm -hmm. He's just so consistent, always shows up. It, uh, you know, we talked about the drops. I, I feel like every time his number is called, he just he makes a play. And again, he's just such an unassuming playmaker in, within that offense that you're focused on Kennedy Brooks or you're focused on Theo Weiss or Hazelwood or Stogner that inevitably you're going to leave somebody open and it might be a Drake Stoops or it might be a Jeremiah Hall. And, it, and seemingly those guys always just make the plays when you need them to. All those H-backs, man. Yeah. And even Braden Willis is a really good yeah. player, right? I mean, they're they're three deep there, man. They are three deep. And uh, Stogner, you know, it was really 
early last year, we saw that Marvin Mims was going to be special, and he ended up being Spencer's number one target. But Austin Stogner was right there with him until he got hurt, uh, making big catches for OU. So they're going to be really good. When you've got that wealth of wide receivers and that much depth with maybe the number one thrower in the country, you should put some points up on the board. Yes, quite a few. What do you think about the format? The uh, defense spotted the 21-point lead and then the point system for the defense Mm -hmm. to be able to score. Oh, you know, I guess it's interesting for the spring game. You know, it's kind of like I remember what was the old Bob Simmons was at the steak and beans game that he had at OSU. (laughs) Winning team got steak and the other team got beans. I still see the blazing saddles scene popping up, you know, for the losing team. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I guess they're trying to put something new on the, on the spring game. You know, it's the spring game. So what are you, yeah. what are you going to do? Add some I wrinkles. Know. I remember here called me one year. Um, I was in Wichita falls. I was thinking about this driving back from Riverwind the other day, uh, and thinking about spring game. One of the weirdest things I ever saw was I was working in Wichita falls. This would have been probably 1990. And I don't know if they still had a varsity alumni game or something. Um, but I remember you would get a satellite feed, like your national sports satellite feed, and then you would get a regional sports satellite feed, like CBS, you know, Southwest would send you Texas sound bites, Texas practice video, OU, Texas A&M, stuff like that. And it popped up one day. I was watching the feed because I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to get today? Oh, it said OU spring games on the run rundown. And there was a dude, I remember seeing this guy break free. And did you ever see Steve Bono's run when he was with the, was he with the Kansas city chiefs when he ran like a quarterback bootleg? And, I feel like it was San Francisco, but it may have been, but it, it might've been, been Kansas city. Yeah. It might've been Kansas. I, but anyway, he ran like 70 yards for a touchdown untouched and he looked like a trotting horse, you know, doing this. It was very bizarre. So I saw this guy get the football. It was a white guy, man. That guy looks kind of out of shape, man. That's the slowest dude I've ever seen. Why can't they tackle that guy? Well, they like handed the ball to Steve Owens on a specialized play. And, you know, former Heisman winner Steve Owens was a stud back in the day. But I'm like, I remember telling, I was like, oh, okay. It says Steve Owens on the, like the highlight sheet. I was like, but I remember just thinking that's going to be the slowest running back I've ever seen in my life. What is going on there? Yeah. But because they used to have the varsity alumni game back in the day, you know, a lot of those guys would come back and play against the varsity. Which is crazy now that you think about it. Right. But, you know, it's kind of like the NFL, the Super Bowl champion, used to play the college all-stars at Soldier Field. Very bizarre. Times have changed. No, zero chance that would ever happen today. No, never, ever, ever. The last spring game I attended was the 2018 game. Um, Obviously, last year we didn't have one. 2019, I believe I was on vacation uh, when when the 2019 game was played. So I, I didn't see that at all. But the 2018 game was... The, the day that the weather was just god-awful, like 40-mile-an-hour winds. Oh, Every yeah. time Kyler Murray throw tried to throw a football, it yeah. just died in the wind. And, I like, I remember the, the calls that we took in that postgame, like, can these guys throw the ball? And I'm like, well, Did you see I don't the know. I mean, nobody yeah. can throw the ball in 60-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds. So, like, who knows? Like, it's oh, – I'm not saying man. they can't, but, yeah, t- today's not really a, a way to be able to judge that. And then we had the – was that the Trace Adkins performance as well? I think it was, yes. Are we not getting a performance? Well, I guess without fans in the stands, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm So we've had Trace Adkins and Lee Bryce. Those were the two, right, for OU, I think. 
Yeah, that, I think that's right. Yeah, I, again, I didn't. I wasn't at the 2019 game. Come so. on, man. When we but. get fans in the stands again, can we get a Zeppelin reunion or something? A little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, look, I know we've got a bunch of country music fans in Oklahoma, but I don't know. I don't know. So what are my choices for a prediction? Is it red versus white, offense versus defense? I'll take the red and I'll take the defense. Well, I'm I'm actually about to set you up for that. Okay, um, here we go. But before I before I give you this this uh, question that I'm going to give you, I have to ask you: famous spring game performances, like oh my, gosh. where like one trying, guy came out of nowhere. I was trying to think. There was a running back. It was it was it Moses Madu. Um, there was another running back that had an unbelievable spring game and you're thinking everybody's like, this kid looks like he's going to make some plays for us next year. The next you know, Heisman the Trophy winner. Game. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the guy never played like a down ever. I'm trying to remember who the kid was. Um, but I'm trying, you know, I, so little interest in the spring game that I can't even think of All right. one right now. So but, the question I was going to ask, and I call it the Charlie Moore award uh, oh, because okay. when I was covering Oklahoma State back, and I think I think this was like twenty the twenty twelve mm-hmm. spring game, maybe it was the year after Blackman had left, and obviously Blackman is a two time Bolitnikoff Award winner, right. one of the greatest college receivers ever, and and you have to remember Blackman was also following Des Bryant, who had followed Adarius Bowman, and who had followed Rashawn Woods, so there was this string of, I mean, all world Oklahoma State receivers at that time. So that spring game, you know, Oklahoma State goes what was it twelve and one. Uh, they had won the Big 12. They beat Stanford in the Fiesta Bowl. Best team that's ever been there. Uh, and and so the following spring, I think Charlie Moore catches like three touchdown passes in the spring game. Mm-hmm. So from the spring game until the very first game of the season, almost every day, there was a phone call about Charlie Moore and was he going <laughs> to win a Bolitnikoff Award? Or, or actually, it wasn't, is he going to win a Bolitnikoff Award, but how many Bolitnikoff Awards? <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, he was going to be the next, I mean, the next big thing because he got three touchdown passes in the spring game. So my question was going to be, who wins the Charlie Moore Award today? Who's the OU player that ah, that's, unexpectedly that's is going to score three touchdowns and is going to be so hyped the rest of the offseason until we get to game one? Wow. Who would be that? Drake Stoops really isn't underrated, but I'm thinking that it's going to be a big day for Drake Stoops. Big day for Drake Stoops. And then you can have, I don't know, did Modi Pierre ever have a great spring game for OU? Because he was the greatest towel waver I ever saw <laughs> in that LSU national championship game back in the day. That's my only memory of Modi Pierre was slinging the towel around, you know? <laughs> And he was a five-star. So uh, I, I haven't know, heard that I'm, name I'm in gonna, a long time. I am going to go with uh, Drake Stoops. All right, all right. I am uh, – I'm. I, this is tough. I'm, I'm looking – let's go – I don't want to go with a true freshman because, you know, the, the opportunities might be limited. Uh, but I'm looking for uh, somebody that might, you know, like uh, – has been around for a couple years, is really going to take the opportunity to get a lot of playing time, uh, very serious, and, and make a name for themselves. Uh, so as I continue to scroll down the roster looking for somebody to pick here, uh, let's go Colt Atkinson, number 86, redshirt senior from Denton, Texas. Colt Atkinson. There we go. Yeah, well... Colt, you, you know, you should be able to play if you're named Colt, right? I mean, uh, yeah, Colt Brennan, absolutely. Colt McCoy, right? You should be able to play. So we'll see. 
But yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain for that running back who had the unbelievable spring game. Uh, it's, it's probably been a decade ago, though, for OU. I mean, that, Roy Finch would have had to have had a great spring game, oh, right? Roy for Finch as much was, as uh, everybody wanted more carries for Roy <laughs> right. Finch back in the day. There's no doubt about it. I feel it. like he had to have gone for like 300 yards in a spring game somewhere along the way. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. My memory bank doesn't fill up for the spring game because I'm like, you know, usually like, ah, there we go. It's the spring game. Yeah. You know, but a real game, I could probably recall the spring game. Very difficult. Fair enough. Steelman, always appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, it's game day. I know that uh, the meaning of the spring game isn't necessarily there, but I just like to think of it as a football celebration in the uh, unofficial halfway point. To there you go. I'm with you on that. football again. So while I'm not going to sit there and, and comb through the spring game film, you know, trying to figure out the secrets of Oklahoma football, <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy the fact that they're on the football field. We're watching the football be thrown in the air. We're watching... Maybe a few tackles. I, I don't know. We'll see how that part goes. But uh, uh, just good to see them on the uh, on the gridiron. It's a harbinger of things to come. Wait a minute. I'm going with that quarterback from Penn State. That's my guy. Mike, uh, what's his name? Bowens? The transfer from Penn State? Is that, uh, right. That, that uh, might be it. That is, that's my dude. That's my guy. There is your spring game hero. Hey, I know Caleb Williams is five-star. But there you that go, kid yeah. from Penn State, man, he... Wearing number five, uh, Micah there you go. Bowens. That's, that's my pick. Drake Stoops, I like you're it. my second pick now. All right. We have 1A and 1B, so our predictions for the Charlie Moore Award. <laughs> Steelman, take care, my friend, and we will chat on uh, Monday on the Tulsa Sports Channel. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll be doing these next fall, so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you Monday. Colby, enjoy, yeah. uh, enjoy the spring game. You as well, my friend. Huge shout out to Mike Steely. Appreciate him. And again, we will be uh, live two hours before every game day this fall as Oklahoma gets ready for a massive season, a season where the expectations are at a supreme high. So again, appreciate Steely joining me. And then I'm with him uh, on the Tulsa Sports Animal every Monday morning at 920. So check that out as well. Uh, this is presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an alternative to opioids, Artisan Botanicals can help you out. They also have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to, to call and ask. 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. abotanicalcompany.com is the website. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW. Again, 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody, have a great day. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, and I will talk to you Monday. Podcast is over.